Praise the name of Jesus. Is anyone already blessed this morning? Hallelujah. God's presence is good. Hallelujah. A few weeks ago, I was speaking to my brother Norbert, and I was sharing with him. We were just having a conversation, and I said, you know, I'm going gonna, gonna to be doing a series here in a few weeks, and it's going to be entitled, Why Are We Here? Why are we here? And it is, it's, it's vitally important to answer that question because when you think about it, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why folks go to church. Hello, somebody. Not, 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 not every reason is the right reason either. Amen? Not, not, not every reason is the correct reason. There's different reasons why people go to church. Some people go to church, they were dragged to church. Hello, somebody. Some, some people go to church because, you know, they're, they, they want to get their life right. And I think that that's, you know, a good reason, you know, to start coming to church, you know, to try to get your life right. But there's got to be more when we think about why we are here. And I want you to know that um, it's, you know, the, 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 the opening part of this message is going to be pretty rough. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. brace yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's going to be rough. And, 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 and the words that I'm going to use are going to be extreme words because I want you to understand that I don't want to just preach series just to preach series. I do this because I'm trying to instill some truth because I really believe that we as the body of Christ need to get into alignment with the spirit of God and with what God's word declares. And so the first thing I want to say is that the present day church is in dire need of realignment. We are in dire need of realignment. You know, well, you can go and you buy a you buy a car brand new and that car you know you drive down the road and that thing you can let go of the steering wheel you know and it just riding straight hello somebody anybody ever bought a new car glory to God or, or, or got some new tires you know what I'm saying everything was aligned and you got into the car and as you're because some folks never bought a new car so it's all right glory to God but most of us have gotten new tires and gotten an alignment praise the Lord and so when 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 that happens where we're driving down the road letting hands go because I, I know I don't know about you but I know me when I get my car line the first thing I do I want to see if this thing really work I want to let go let's see what happens is, is this thing gonna veer to the right or to the left because if it does I'm taking it back because they messed up hello somebody Amen, amen. And so we realize that we can have a vehicle that started with a straight alignment and it was doing good and after time. And what causes this? You know, you hit bumps. Hello, somebody. Roads have different things. You know, things that are unexpected begin to do what? Begin to hinder the alignment in the car. Therefore, we take it into the specialist that has a good special. Amen. Hallelujah. Got to find the special glory to God. And we bring and we bring it there for what? For realignment. And I, and I encourage you and let you know that the church is in dire need of realignment. Why? Because we have veered off the path of self-sacrifice to the path of self-satisfaction. We veered off of that path where we see Jesus communicating in the gospel that if you are going to follow me, you're going to take up your cross and you will deny yourself. And that is what is going to happen every day. We have veered off of that path into a Christianity that's all about self-satisfaction. It's about what God can do for us, not what God already did for us and why we should live for him, seeing what we can do for him the rest of our days. Did you hear that, church? And so we veered off of that path. We have left that place. And so you know what that produces? That produces Christians that are unsatisfied. They're unsatisfied. Now, they, they don't have the, you know, last week I was speaking of that joy, that peace, and that love. And they lack that. And therefore, you know what is hindered is the fruit that we are bearing because of what? Because we're out of alignment, church. We've gone from the place of the straight and narrow path to the path of least resistance. From that straight and narrow, this is how we walk with Christ. This is how we follow him. This is how we live. We've gone from there to the path of least resistance. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to say anything anymore. Society has conditioned us. You know, you got to be careful when you pray. Hello? Right, you know, I mean, I mean, let, 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 let's be realistic. Before, you know, not now, mind you, when I was when when I was a kid in school, I don't remember praying, but I think the generation right before me, hello, glory to God. I think that generation remembers praying in school, and some of you are in here, part of that generation. Don't be ashamed, glory to God, hallelujah, amen. That generation also knew what it was to get spanked by a principal. Hello, somebody, because you're acting crazy. All right, you want to act crazy? Okay, we're going to help you out. The Bible says, "Spare the rod, spoil the child." We're not going to spoil no one up in this school. Hello. We've been praying and seeking Almighty God. Now we're going to apply his word to your behind. Mm -hmm. 
But the reality is that they were pray. You know, it was it, it was the thing we we did that. Now, now, no, 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 no. You know, it shuns that that kind of stuff. You know, we and and I've talked about this before. You get into the you know the the, the arena. You know, with people, and you don't talk about politics or religion. Those are the two. You know, listen, I I really think the first one is good. Don't talk about politics. That's just whatever. But you should talk about your Jesus. Or y'all ain't saying nothing. You should communicate about your Christ. You should communicate. As a matter of fact, it's not even a thing that you should. You should be unable not to communicate about your Savior. Did you hear what I just said? You, it, it should be impossible for you. You should be sitting down in a conversation, and, 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 and if it's just inappropriate, because you, it should be like stirring inside. You're trying to figure out what to say because you want to say something about Jesus, but, you know, and, and there's moments that it's inappropriate. There's moments you can't say. I mean, let's not be ignorant here either, but what I'm saying is that it should be like Jeremiah said, if I try to be quiet, your word is like fire. Shut up. Does anybody have that fire up inside their bones in this place? Does anybody have that word? And when I say that word, I don't just mean just knowledge of the Bible. I'm talking about the living word, Jesus Christ, just locked up inside of their spirit and their soul. And, and when, you, when you're in conversation, I mean, the first thing you want to do is you want to communicate what Jesus can do. That should be the way the church is. But you know what? We have allowed society to condition us. Therefore, we go into this path of least resistance. We have accepted, and this is the biggest issue, is that we have, sept, have accepted a false gospel that feeds on our situation situations and our circumstances rather than dealing with the condition that we were born into that has one remedy and that is repentance and salvation in God through Jesus Christ. We've accepted this gospel message that's all about how you can become better and you can no, no, all, 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 listen, 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 hear me church. God can for sure make everything better. Amen. God can for sure help you to get things right. God, God wants to make your life be in alignment with him. But you, you, we cannot. I was, I was praying this morning for, for a family that I heard. Um, I, I met him. He was coming to do an estimate in our home. And as we're talking in, in my garage, you know, he tells me, you know, he, he made a mistake with a ladder. And he said, man, my mind has just been all over the place. And I was like, okay. And he said, you know, I just found out my wife is sick. He said, you know, they told us that she has breast cancer. And he said, in all week, you know, I've just been all over the place. And so I was like standing there. And I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to deal with this? Because I can easily come to him and say, hey, you know, God is the solution. But let me ask you this question. What if God doesn't heal his wife? Then what happens? He came to God for a solution. God didn't solve that problem the way that he wanted to. So is he really going to continue to serve God? Probably not. You know why? Because the foundation was incorrect. So you know what I did? I stood there. I listened to him. We talked about some other stuff. And then before he left, I said, hey, man, I said, um, I said, you know, what's your wife's name? He said, Antoinette. And I said, can I pray for her? And he was like, sure, you know, and then, you know, he, he, he immediately put his arm around me, which led me to believe that he's probably a believer or something to that effect, because most men, especially in the construction field, they ain't putting their arm around other men. Hello, somebody. So, so as soon as I said, let's pray, his arm came around me and I was like, okay, but I'm not saying he's a believer because I, I, didn't, I didn't ask at this point. I know that I have another opportunity to talk to him on the phone. And when I have that opportunity, I'm going to make sure that I communicate to him. Number one, we're going to let him do our roof. Number two, do you know Jesus? Because when you get up on our roof, you could fall and die and I don't want you to go to hell. No, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, the reality is that when I prayed with this man, I know that he was moved emotionally. He was crying. You know, I mean, any man who loves his wife or, you know, vice versa, you know, any, any wife that loves her husband, they find out that their husband, wife is in a situation like that. Man, anybody who was actually taking concern in, in, in that situation and you start talking about it, tears are going to flow. That doesn't. And, and listen, I know y'all don't want to hear this, but that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit was working on him for salvation. It means that he was being touched by something that was going on emotionally. Hello. So the point of the matter is that we have got to be these kind of people who understand where we are because when you listen to the preachings of today, not here at Faith Dome necessarily, glory to God, because I think that I try to keep it as real as possible and let us know that we need Jesus in our lives, not just for our situations, but for eternity's sake. Amen? But it is important that we understand what people are doing they're listening to the wrong gospel, church. And the wrong gospel creates what? Weak Christians. It creates a weak church. And so what happens? Here's what happened. I told you this stuff was going to be extreme. What is happening is the salt church is losing its saltiness. The light is becoming dimmer and dimmer due to it being hidden under a basket of religion and coexistence. 
We're just going to hang and get along with everybody. We're not going to offend anyone. As long as they know there's a God, that's good enough. No, church, it's not good enough. There's people, listen to me, your Bible says that there are going to be many, not, not, not a few, that there are going to be many who will come to God in the day of judgment, and he will tell them, part from me, you workers of iniquity. And you know what they're going to be saying? Well, Lord, we did great works in your name. Hold on a second, time out. They said we did great works. That means that they didn't just know there was a God they knew that he was the true God and he's still gonna say I never knew you isn't that isn't that scary church doesn't that do something to you to make you think wait a second hold on let me let me let, let, let me evaluate my life let me consider where I am with Christ let me think am I, am I really connected with him the way that I need to be or am I just you know going to church hear me We've got to wake up to this reality because what happens is as the salt loses its saltiness and as the light becomes dimmer and it kind of fades and can see what's supposed to happen is lights are supposed to expose stuff right away. Hello. Light, light, light is supposed to be abrupt when it comes. When you go into your room in your house, listen, you're not waiting unless you got those fluorescent lights that like take a while to like warm up or whatever the case is. But normally, you know, normal lights, glory to God. What do they do? Even those fluorescent lights, listen, even those fluorescent lights, they're waiting to warm up. But you know what they do? Even though they're dimmer, they do what? They light up the room quickly. It's not like you're waiting forever for that light to come on. Church, that's what's supposed to happen with us. Say me, say me, say me, me. I'm the light. Say, say it. I'm the light. And you're not the light because you're the source of light. You're you're, you're a vessel of light. Amen? Amen. And so we realize this, that we are sources of light. And we are supposed to be abrupt in situations. I'm sorry. That's just, I believe that when you look at the scriptures, the church was always like there and boom, the light was shining. Hello. Period. Period. It was very clear. But you know what happens? When the light begins to get dimmer and the salt begins to lose its saltiness, then our need to be in society becomes confused. And so you know what happens? Here's what happens. In Bible college, and I think I've said this before, and if I haven't said this before, I'm saying it now. If I've said it before, I'm going to repeat it. In Bible college, one of the things that they say is that whenever you are going to start a church, they're talking about church growth and the things that you need to know about growing a church. They say that one of the things you have to do is whatever community that you're in, you need to find a need in that community and fill it. Amen. You need to find a need in that community and fill it. That, that's, that's wonderful advice. But here's the question, church. What is it that we are supposed to be concerned with above anything else? Say it again. Salvation. salvation. The need in the community is salvation. And we need to be preoccupied with that because you know what the advice is? The advice is find something. You know, find if, if, if they need if they need help and in, 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 you know with, with 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 their you know GED, you know, people need to get their GED. You got you living in a community where there's a lot of single parents who you know have dropped out of school. Well, you find that need and you fit it. Listen, I want you to know something. I want to help everybody on planet earth get the education, but above anything else, we need to help them get to heaven. And so what am I saying, church? The church needs to make sure that its priorities are in line with what the scriptures teach. Because you know what? Read the book of Acts. We went through it. I, I, we went through it chapter by chapter. You know what we understood? They weren't concerned with setting up schools for education. They were, they were concerned with bringing people to Christ. They were concerned with making disciples. And that is what we as a church need to be concerned with. For too long, church, here's been the problem, is that we have allowed a consumer mentality to infiltrate and even govern our churches did you hear me a consumer mentality what is a consumer mentality well you know what it is it says like this the customer is always right did you hear that and in this deception I want I want to let you know something in this deception here's what happens you become the customer so can I ask you this if you're the customer right who's the waiter Who's the servant? Does that not make God your servant? Did you hear what I just said? If you're the customer, he's the servant. So therefore, we come. Where's, wait, wait, wait a second. I thought my Bible said, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Is that not what the scripture says? It, it, it doesn't say that God is waiting on us like, you know, a waiter waiting on tables. Okay, are you feeling comfortable? Can, can, can you picture God up in heaven saying, is, is, is the AC good in this place? You know, is the music too loud for you? Is the worship too long for you? Is the preaching? Do, do you think God is asking any of those kind of questions? Do, 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 did they say sin too many times? Did they say hell too many times? Did they communicate that without God you are going to? 
did, did, did they say, do you think God is concerned about all that church? I mean, I mean, I mean let, 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 let's, let's just be real for a moment. Because we got to consider these things because this is what has occurred within the church that we are seeing. And, and, and I'm just going to talk about the United States of America. I was talking to a brother in Christ, and he was communicating. He traveled all over the place. And as we were talking about this, he was telling me, he said, man, it's not just here. He said, it's in other places too. Well, you know what? We become, we, we, we buy into that false teaching. And you know why this is such a big issue? I was reading an article the other day, and someone sent it to me. And when he sent me this article, it was probably, it was probably last year that he sent me the article. And what it was is it was a confession. It was, sh- it was called, the, the article is on Crosswalk. You can see it there. If you go to crosswalk.com, I think it is, you can go there and you look at shocking confessions and you go on there and, it, and it's going to give you this whole breakdown in this article from a church and it's a well-known church. And the only reason why I will say the name of the church is because it is, it is in this article so it's public information. But it is a shocking confession from Willow Creek. Willow Creek is a church. If you've been here and you've gone through phase two, it is Becoming a Contagious Christian. They are the authors of the Becoming a Contagious Christian. Christian, which I have to say that their second version is much better than their first one, I think. I think it's a little bit more to the point, a little bit more direct from when I looked at it over the other one. But anyway, the point of the matter is that the shocking confession was that after 20 years of ministry, they've come to realize, now listen to this now. When I say this, you know, you may not know who Willow Creek is, but they're like 20,000 members strong. Big church. Got all kind of Willow Creek Association churches all over the place, okay? Okay. They teach something. It's called being seeker-sensitive. In other words, people are seeking God, right? So they're seeking God. So what we've got to do is we have to create an atmosphere where seekers can feel comfortable. Where on earth did they get that from? I have no idea, but it wasn't from the Bible. It was nowhere in the scriptures. I, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, and you know, that, that, that the Holy Spirit and Peter had a conversation The day that Ananias and Sapphira came up in the church acting crazy, hello. And I doubt that the apostle Peter said, Holy Spirit, it is okay for me to communicate your word because these people are about to die. And that may offend some people who are seeking. Do you think that, I I don't think that conversation occurred. The apostle Peter simply said, hold on a second. How could you allow the devil to enter your heart to lie against the Holy Ghost? How, How could you do that? People died. And you know what happened? Look at the scriptures. The scriptures are awesome because it shows you what's going to happen when stuff like that begins to occur. Well, you know what happened? Was that there was a line drawn in the sand. If you're going to serve God, serve him. If you're not, don't. It goes on to tell us clearly. It says clearly just like it says, look, it says that, that, they, that the church was well respected. They knew that the community knew that the church was necessary there. Said that nobody would dare join them. But it goes on to say it's like, it's like a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It's this. It's saying because this line, it says, nobody would dare join them. And he says, but the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. So what happens is God is honored. His spirit is moving. People are convicted of their sin. They recognize the reality and the holiness of who God is. As they recognize that, the line is drawn in the sand and say, look, if you're going to serve him, serve him. If you're not, don't serve him. And when people decide, well, you know, we're not going to play games with God. But you know what is still happening? The conviction of the Holy Spirit is going out. The people are evangelizing and communicating. Communicating, and guess what? Those people who are over there who are saying, I'm not with God, there is no in-between here because that's the problem, church, is that we have too many people that are sitting in our churches that are in-between. They are not for God. They're not against. They're just in-between. They're not comfortable. That is not church. That is not church. We need to either be for him or we're against him. Bottom line. And if we're against him, we shouldn't be in the house. Hello, somebody. This consumer mentality. So they communicate in their confession. They say this. They say, after 20 years of ministry, this is is hard. Most of the things that they have spent most of their money on have done very little to make people genuine disciples of Christ. That's pretty devastating, don't you think? 20,000 strong. All kind of folks just up in your church. And after doing evaluations of the people that are there, you see that these people are not, for the majority, they're not genuine disciples. Isn't that what this is about? This is about making disciples. But you want to know why I preach this message and and, and, and communicate it like this? It's not because of that confession alone. But here's the other problem. The next statement that they make, and, and, and mind you, I'm paraphrasing this, so when you look at it, you'll see exactly what they said. But the next statement that they make at the end of this 
is that as a result of all of this shocking evidence that they have now, you know what they want to do? They want to reevaluate and they want to create programs, right, that go based on what they found statistically and still have biblical moral stuff up in there. Did, did, you, did you hear what I just said? That, that is crazy. That is absolutely insane. Instead of repenting and saying, God, forgive us for not searching your word first and seeing how we can apply your word in our today, what we're going to do is we're going to get statistical information, we're going to break down all of these things, and we're going to see if we can fit your Bible into what our statistics are saying. You know what the problem is with that? The problem with that is that they're going to do the same thing over again. They're going to create more programs that they think that are going to be relevant, that they think are going to help make disciples. People are going to get excited about them. Everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon. Every pastor across America is going to be calling on, you know, calling, emailing, ordering all of their latest and greatest stuff because they want to be on the cutting edge and all of this stuff. And you know what, church? We're going to have the same problem. Weaker and weaker Christians. And if it took them 20 years to figure this out, how long do you think it's going to take them to figure it out again? It's going to be the same thing over again. That's the reason why us, Faith Dome, you know, church, body of Christ that is here, we have got to embrace the reality that, look, we cannot give in to this consumer mindset. And how do we give into it? Well, you know, we come to church, and I've said this before too, you know, we come to church and the first thing we do when we're trying to measure, okay, is this the place where God wants me to be? You know, we got to see, okay, do I like the music? Let me confess, I was nervous today, glory to God. I made some mistakes, praise the Lord. So you might have noticed that, hallelujah. You might not have liked that, praise God, but glory to his name, I was giving him praise, amen? But, but hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Hear me, church. Oh, do I like the music? Ah, that's not really my style. We, we didn't ask, did the words glorify God? Did the words bring honors? Were the words pure in line with the script? We didn't ask none of those kind of things. Let's see about the preaching. Hallelujah. Today, boy, would be a, an offensive day, glory to God. You know, he's kind of loud for me, you know. He, he talks kind of fast, hello, glory to God. He's bald, you know what I'm saying. Makes up words. I got all strikes, just strike one, strike two, strike three, just... But, but wait a second, are you listening to the scriptures? Are you listening to the word of God that is being, did, did we measure? No, we don't do none of that stuff. Oh, we got to see, hold on a second, not just that. We walk in the door, you know, we, we're going to go ahead and, you know, let, let, let's, let's see what they offer my children. I love this. I, I, did this can, can I say something? I, I want to tell you something. This is the reality. The reality is I love good music. I love to preach my heart out. I'm going to be loud probably to the day I die. Hello, somebody. I'm probably going to talk fast. Well, when I get older, I'll probably talk a little slower because that would just happen, you know, with time. But, you know, the reality is, I, you know, because I slow down, my mind won't be able to catch them words so quickly. But glory to God, we're going to be all right. I'll, I'll still be making up words. Hallelujah. Because then at that age, I got to make stuff up because I'm forgetting the real stuff. So I just, you know, but, but anyway, the point of the matter is this is, <laughs> this is going to be my heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, okay? I'm, I desire good music. We, and you, you know, ask the leaders in this church, we want to have the best programs for children. We want to make sure that our children have a good place to go to, that they're able to be. We want all of that stuff. So none of those things are bad. The problem is when we are looking at all of that before we're looking at God. The problem is when we're measuring all of that before we're saying, God, I want your presence. I want you to lead my life. I want you to, I want to be connected to a place that is going to do what? That is going to help me grow correctly. That's got to be the mindset, church. But you know what? In today's day and age, it's not that way. We look at all these, you know, you know I, I think they said within the first 30 seconds, this is crazy. I, I don't even know how this is possible other than being in the flesh. But I'm just tell, I'm telling you for real because in 30 seconds, what I mean, what, I mean, you can know a lot about a church, but you don't know everything that you need to know. Hello. But in the first 30 seconds of a person being in there, they, they already know if they're coming back or not. That's crazy. You know what that tells me? That tells me that we need to be on our faces crying out to God that the first second they drive on the parking lot, they feel the Holy Ghost and they're like, I'm staying there. That, that, that's what it tells me. 
that no matter what they're looking for, that they can walk in and the greeter give them a nasty look. Hello, somebody. That would never happen in our church. Glory to God. But the greeters give them a nasty look. The ushers ignore them. They got, they're walking around standing. Where, where am I supposed to sit? That, that everything was. But you know what? I felt God and that was all that mattered. Amen. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be praying for those things because you know what? Regardless of whatever I'm saying, everybody who's looking for a church, they're looking for it for some reason. And what they need to do is they need to find the Savior. Amen? The problem with us, church, is that for too long we have allowed the false prophetic voices to woo us with their large crowds, with their big buildings, and their great boasting of success that is measured by the world's standards. And what are those standards? Those standards are the simple ABCs. They measured by attendance, they measured, they measured by building size, and they measured by cash flow. So if you got a lot of people in attendance, if you got a building, if you have cash flow, guess what? You're blessed. This is not true, church. This is not true, and we are the ones who have been called to do something about it, to be that different church, to bring, not to become, and let, 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 me, let me say this clearly, it is not to become judgmental, it is not to become overcritical, it is not to make people feel like they're not saved, There's, no, it's not, it is to truly be the salt, it is to truly be the light, and to do things the way that Jesus shows us to do them, amen? Here's the reality. The true focus, the true focus on discipleship will only find satisfaction and quality fruit. The true focus, see, because here's the problem with the consumer mindset. The consumer mindset, like I said before, is that you are the customer. Therefore, God is the servant. What we've got to realize is this, is we are not the, the, the customers. We are God's workmanship. Say it with me. We are God's workmanship. That means that we are God's building project. We are the product that God is producing. Did you hear what I just said? We are what God is working on. So when we are coming together as a body of believers, once again, this is time to be checked to see, am I walking in the right alignment? Am I walking with him the way that I need to be? Am I doing things according to the pattern that he's called us to do it or am I doing things the way that I think they need to be am I in alignment with him and am I allowing his fruit his character his life to flow through me or am I living for myself see that's what this is about and that's what has to happen inside of us is that we realize that look I'm not coming to be served I'm coming to be changed hello somebody I'm coming to be transformed I'm coming to allow God to work in me I'm coming to and this is what should be happening is I'm coming to allow God to confirm the things that have been going on in my prayer life all week long I'm coming to allow God to speak to me and to fill me and overflow my life as a result of what I've been doing with him see that's what's supposed to happen when we come together church but if we don't have relationship with God hello if we don't have relationship with him if we're not walking with him then you know what we're looking at the wrong stuff we are his workmanship church and we should be allowing him to have his way in us when we look at this particular portion of scripture here, we look at this, this story, and this is what is recorded as the first words that Jesus said in this, in this gospel. We know these aren't his first words that are spoken. These are the first words that he says in the gospel of John. And all of these other places, and what, I, and what I'm talking about is you'll see when, you, when Jesus is there, John the Baptist is communicating. After, after Jesus has been baptized, we know, he had a, we know that he had a conversation there. We know that Jesus' first conversation that he had was in the temple, or the first words that he said in the, that, that are recorded in Scripture was when he was in the temple, when he was around 12 years old, they, his parents left, and he was in the temple there for three days. They came back to get him, and he says to his parents, he said, why, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I needed to be about my father's business in my father's house? Good stuff, because the first words that we have there recorded there in, in, in that particular portion of Scripture and one of the other Gospels, you know what he's doing? is talking about his purpose. Jesus is what? He's committed to purpose from the beginning. In the other Gospel, the Bible says the first thing that comes out of his mouth in the book of Mark, what does he communicate? He communicates that he began to preach the Gospel. He repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he begins to do what? The first, the first thing that he says in that Gospel there, he's communicating purpose for humanity. Turn from your sin. Turn unto me. The, the other, in the other Gospel, when the first time he communicates is when he's about to be baptized. And John the Baptist says to him, why is it that you come to me to be baptized? I need to be baptized by you. And he says, no. He says, let it be done so all righteousness can be fulfilled. And so the first words he's speaking there are doing what? They're communicating his understanding of his purpose again. And then what happens is the next words that we hear that are important are the words of the father that says what? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so we see the first words are important. So in this particular portion of scripture, Jesus is, Jesus is walking and John the Baptist is with two of his disciples. And he says to him, he, he says to them, he says, behold, the lamb of God. 
And when he says that, they're like, okay, you know, we're following him. They were there the day before, whatever, and they saw the baptism. They heard this. John the Baptist, who was their leader, their teacher, he says to them, behold the Lamb of God. The scripture says that they go on ahead and they begin to follow Jesus. Now notice, notice please. The first thing that happens is they begin to follow him, and the first thing that occurs is Jesus turns around and looks at them and says to them, what are you seeking? Jesus didn't turn around and do backflip and say, oh, I got some followers. My ministry is exploding. He, he, that, <laughs> that is not what Jesus did, church. The first people that start to follow them, follow him, he turns around and he says to them, what are you seeking? Like, pause, hold on a second. We do this differently. What is it that you're seeking? What are you looking for? First words that he communicates begins to question what are their intentions and what are their motives. Say this with me. Discipleship begins by questioning that defines purpose. When these people decided that they were going to follow Jesus at that moment, the first thing Jesus does is he opens, he, he asks them, what are you seeking? That's the title of the message, by the way. What are we seeking? What is it that we're looking for? And here's what we realize when we're looking at the scripture is that to become a follower of Christ was not as simple as, well, I'm just going to come hang with you. Or in today's mindset, well, I'm just going to go to church. That makes me a Christian. Is that true? No. That's the mindset that Jesus is showing us that we need to have. Wait a second. We need to, we need to make sure that we're starting things the right way, that we're starting things the correct, that people are. I, I remember one day, this was, this was crazy for me, and I, and I thought that this was a little bit extreme, but after reading these scriptures, I can see that there needed to just be a little bit more balance in this. Well, I was with a friend of mine and a group of us, and we were going to minister to this person. And as we were going to minister to this person, we were there, and we were all sharing, and, you know, we're all excited and all, you know, emotional because this person is, like, crying. She's ready to accept the Lord, and, you know, I'm, I'm like, there. And my friend is, like, telling this person, you don't want Jesus. And she's like, yes, I do. And he's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Dude, are you serious? And, I, like, four or five times, he's like, no, nah, you don't want Jesus. And she's like, yes, I do. Like, no, you don't. You don't. And, and I'm like, Dude, are you serious? This girl is saying she wants Jesus. Can she have Jesus? You know, you're not going to share Jesus. We came here to bring her Jesus, and you're telling her she don't want. And, and so the point of the matter was, what he was saying was, and, and this is the truth. The truth was that he knew this person. He had a relationship. I didn't have a relationship with this person. I was going there to support him. He had a relationship, and he knew the reason why this person was crying, the, the reason why they were weeping and all that, wasn't because they were recognizing their sin. wasn't because they were recognizing that they were separated from God. It was because they needed help with a situation. And so what he was communicating was, listen, what are you seeking? He was asking a question the wrong way. He was a little bit rough. Hello, somebody. But you can be rough when you have relationship as long as, you know, you got that confidence and you can be real and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't advise that. You know, if someone's telling they want Jesus, you know, you need to just break it down for them. Okay, this is what this means. This, 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 is, this is what this is. This is what is really going on. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't, he, he doesn't get all excited and say, hey, just come on. Just, you know, no, no, no. What do you seek? What is it that you want? And notice their response, church. Their response is this. They said, where are you, where, where, where are you staying? In other words, we want to come stay with you. We don't want to just come hang with you for a moment. We want, we want to go where you are. We want to be with you for the rest of our days. That, that, that's what they were saying. As long as you're willing to teach, we want to be with you. So we need to know where you're staying because we need to know if there's room or if we need to get a new place. Hear me, church. Where are you staying? We want to be because what is it about, Jesus? We, we, we went over this. We must abide. We must dwell with him. And so they asked a question. He asked them a question. What are you seeking? We're not. We, we, we want to stay with you. And so they move into that place. In following Christ, church, here's what happens. Our motives are always going to be challenged. Our purpose and our goal in serving him must always be checked. We have got to be searching our hearts to make sure that we are not serving him for circumstantial things 
that we're not serving him, that we don't begin. See, because this happens to a lot of us. You know, we go through something difficult. All of a sudden, like I said the other week, we begin to pray harder. We begin to fast. We begin to see. Why is it that folks ain't fasting and praying and seeking God when everything is good? Why is it that we're not devoting that time unto the Savior and seeking him when things are great? Because we're not looking for breakthrough for us. We're looking for breakthrough in the atmosphere. We're looking for transformation in the community. We're looking for souls to be saved and we're crying out to God saying, Lord, we want to see your glory fill the earth. That is what it means to be a true Christian, that we carry the burden of God because of what? Because we are dwelling with him in relationship. But what happens to us? We start going through stuff, and then what do we do? We start recognizing, man, I haven't been praying. Man, I haven't been in the word like I need to be. Hold on a second. If some of us would eat the way that we pray and read our Bibles, we wouldn't be alive. Did you hear what I just said? Think about this. How many times a day do you eat? So, you know, some people, you know, they eat like twice a day because they're crazy. Hello, somebody. They wake up in the day. They don't want breakfast. They're good. You know, some people eat one time a day. But you know what I can say? Everybody eats one time a day. At least. Everybody is going to consume something for their body one time a day. At least. Right? Can we all agree on that? We're not like that spiritually. Some of us are, and if you are, praise the Lord, glory to God. Continue on doing what you're doing and increase it. Amen? But the reality is, church, that some of us, if we were to really look at, man, if I was eating the way that I deal with my spiritual life, the way that I get into the word of God, man, I would starve. Listen, some of us, and and, and I told you it was going to be rough today. Some of us, the only time that we eat is when we come to church. So So now answer this for me. If you only come to church once a month, how many times did you eat? You're starving. <laughs> this is truth, church. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I am the real deal when it comes to God. We need to make sure that we are and that we're questioning. What, what, what are we seeking? But that's the question that Jesus asked. So here's the question. What is it that we are seeking? Are we seeking God for some sort of breakthrough or some sort of blessing? I remember having a conversation with someone. He told me one day, he said that he was real, you know, like off and on with his giving. Real, real, real off and on, up and down and whatever. And I guess his finances were up and down the same way as his giving, right? One day, someone gives him a track dealing with the topic of tithing and offering. He said, I read that track. And he said, after I read that track, he said, every day from that moment on, I decided that I was going to be a tither faithfully. Why? Why was it? And he said it clearly. He didn't lie. He didn't no hair on his tongue because I want to make sure my finances are blessed. It wasn't because I want to honor God. It wasn't because I want to give God. It's because of me, consumer mentality. I want to make sure I'm blessed. So you know what? I'm going to make sure I give because there's a connection. Promise to do. Okay. Hello. Hmm. Church, I'm not telling you not to give. What I'm saying is, what are we seeking him for? What are we seeking him for? Is it just for a breakthrough? Is it for a blessing? Are we seeking God so he can fix something in our lives? Oh, he can, he, he's going to bring the breakthrough, and he's going to bring the blessing. Oh, yes, and he's going to fix it. But, but is that why we're serving him? Because if that's why we're serving him, if that's why we're seeking him, we got the wrong motive, church. Are we seeking him because we're asking God that we want to feel better about ourselves? Because that, 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 that's the big thing, you know. We have all these low self-esteem issues. Hello, somebody. All kind of low self-esteem all over the place. I don't know. I guess there was no one in the Bible who had low self-esteem. Hello, somebody. Because we don't see God, you know, worrying about self-esteem. He's not worried about that kind of stuff, is he? Hello, hello, hello. No. He's not worried. Look, he, he wants you to know him. Amen? Because when you know him, guess what you get to know? You get to know who you are. But the most important thing. It's not you and I knowing who we are and how great we are. It's knowing how great he is and how glorious he is. And that after we get that revelation of his awesomeness, after we get that revelation of his greatness, of his holiness, then we realize that he loves us. And then all of a sudden, our whole perspective changes. 
we start to realize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that he cares for us. And so what am I saying? That people should walk around with low self-esteem? No. I'm saying you need to get to know Jesus. You, get to, you, you need to get to know the Savior because when you get to know him, he will raise all of that esteem to the place that it needs to be. He will help you to be secure in who he is, secure in what he's done, secure in him and in him alone, church. Amen? True discipleship begins when we are seeking God for God and nothing else. Repeat this after me. Discipleship is sustained by what it finds. When we continue to look at this story here, we find that the scripture says that after Jesus asked them, what are they seeking? Then he goes on and they say to him, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. In other words, I'm giving you an invitation. Come and check out where I'm staying. See if you want to be with me. The scripture says that they go over there. They said it was about the 10th hour. There's some debates about whether it was 4 o'clock or 10 o'clock. It really doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that they did what? That they spent time with Jesus. They spent that day is what the scripture says. They spent the day with Jesus. And after spending one day with Jesus... They got the revelation and the clarity that, you know what, what John the Baptist said is the truth. He is the Lamb of God. He is the soon coming King. He is the one that we're waiting for. And so what happens? They get this revelation. They're like, okay, you know, what? we don't need to go nowhere else. We have found what we have been seeking. We have been searching for something. And church, I want you to know that there are people that are out there in this world that are searching and seeking and looking for the one thing that they don't have. And it is found inside of you and inside of me. And we have got to become those vessels that are going out there and bringing that life unto them. Can I tell you what the greatest tragedy I believe in Christendom today is? It is the fact that the people out there are finding churches, but they are not finding Christ. They're finding places that are filled with programs to help enrich their lives, but do very little to prepare them for eternity, church. Oh, the Bible says to encourage one another daily, but what is this? What, what, what are we supposed to be encouraging each other? We're supposed to be encouraging each other because every day we get closer to seeing our Savior face to face. That's the encouragement. The encouragement is you're going. Re, re, read it through the re, read it through the epistles. It wasn't, hey man, you know everything is. It wasn't none of that. Everything's going to be all right. You know what? Everything's going to be all right in eternity. Did you hear what I just said? I, I, I know folks don't want to hear that. You know what? Because sometimes, and I'm just going to say it because it's the truth, sometimes there's going to be some hardships that we're going to go through and we're going to carry this cross all the way until the time that we get into heaven. And you know when our peace, you know when our joy is going to be fulfilled? It's not going to be here in the earth. It is going to be in eternity. But you know what? Nobody wants to come to church to hear that. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear like the Apostle Paul. He prayed, didn't he? The Bible says that he prayed. He had a thorn in his flesh. The Bible says he prayed three times that God would remove it. And God told him, no, my grace is sufficient. In other words, son, you're going to fight this thing for all of your days on the earth, but my grace is going to be sufficient. Now, listen, don't go getting crazy comparing yourself to the Apostle Paul, okay? Because then you start thinking every difficult thing is a thorn in your flesh. Some of that stuff is stuff that you have caused in your life. Hello, somebody. Did you hear what I just said? Some of that stuff is not thorns in your flesh. Those are just things that you've allowed to accumulate around you and things that you've made bad decisions. And so now you're dealing with that. And you know what? God's grace is sufficient. But what you need to do is repent if you need to repent. Get it, get it out of your life. Hello, somebody. And move forward so that way you can really deal with something that has some spiritual value connected to it. Hello. We have these things, church, that we've got to grasp that the word of God teaches us. We're to be encouraged. We're to be encouraged in what? That we're going to see our Savior, church. Who did they meet? When they came to Jesus, who did they meet? Andrew says it. He says, we found the Messiah. We found the Savior of the world. We found the king who had been promised. We found the one that our heart had been longing to see. We found the answer. We found who we were looking for. And you know what? Their life was sustained by one thing, and it was the revelation of who he was. 
Their life was sustained because they understood, what does that word Messiah mean? It means the anointed one. It's the one who has been sent by God to do something to bring change, to bring the, we, we found him. And because we found him, we're staying with him. See, church, when our search is satisfied with the revelation of the Savior, we find ourselves to become unremittingly devoted to him and his service. We're not waiting to see what we can get. We're waiting to see what we can do to add to what God is doing in this earth. The third thing I need you to repeat after me. Say, discipleship continues as we bring others to Christ into the body. You see, it's good to invite people to church. That's wonderful, and I'll encourage you to continue to do that. But you know what you've got to realize? You've got to realize that there is a greatness in you that can not just bring people into a building, but can bring people into a relationship with your Savior. After being with Jesus for one day, they were just with Jesus one day. One day, the first thing that we see, evangelism immediately begins to take place. One day, and the Bible says, Andrew, he was excited, stirred up. He was like, oh, man, I got to go and talk to my brother. The first, he said, the first thing, he went and found his brother, Peter. He's like, man, Peter, we, we found him. Excited. Runs out there, brings Peter over there. Peter comes and meets Jesus, and what happens? Gets a name change, gets a prophecy over his life, tells him, this is who you are, this is who you're going to be. Glory to God. Come on and follow me too. Hallelujah. Excited. Jesus wants to change people's lives. How many of y'all believe Jesus is still changing lives today? He wants to do the same thing, church. He wants people to know, hey, I'm concerned about you. I know who you are, and this is who I want you to be. He wants to give people that purpose. He wants to give people that revelation. So this is what he does. Well, the next day, as we continue to read on in verse 43, the scripture says that they went to Galilee. Jesus had to go to Galilee, and the Bible says that Jesus found Philip. He finds Philip. He tells Philip, come and follow me. And I would imagine, and this is, just, this is just me thinking, I'm thinking that something more happened than him just walking by and saying, hey, you follow me. I'm thinking that there was some kind of revelation that came to place. There was some kind of something that touched Philip's life, and Philip began to follow him. And then he goes on and he does what? He goes and calls his brother Nathaniel. Here's the beauty of this picture here, because we see two people going out, and look, we can't even, we, we have to just recognize, it wasn't like they had went through becoming a contagious Christian. Hello, church. They hadn't gone through the masters, to what, they, they, they hadn't gone through none of that. They hadn't read the one thing you can't do when you go to heaven, none of that stuff. They didn't have any, any, any training on how to evangelize. They simply said, I found something. You want it? Hello. It's as simple as that. I found the, 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 the thing that filled the longing of my, I found it. Do you want it? It was simple. They moved and they went and did it. So the first one goes to Peter. Peter's like, I'm down with that. Let's walk. Philip, not, 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 not so easy. He goes to Nathaniel. He says, hey, we found the Messiah. And Nathaniel is like, man, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He, he, he wasn't so easily persuaded. And what did, he, what did he say? Listen, this is good training. Come and see. Glory to God. So in other words, try yourself. Just, you, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even going to argue with you. Taste and see. Come and check this out because this is life-changing. Who is life-changing, church? Jesus Christ is life-changing. Sharing Christ is one of the greatest privileges that we have as children of God, period. I was talking to Justin this morning when I opened the doors, and he was, he's telling me, I, I don't know, I think I was preaching on a Sunday or maybe when I was talking to the youth, and I was saying how one of these men of old, I don't remember which one it was right now, he said that he was not going to go to sleep without sharing the gospel with one person a day, that that was his commitment. He wouldn't do it. And Justin said, Bishop, I made the same commitment. I said, glory to God. We got a hearer and a doer of the word. Amen. Stirred. And so he's telling me, he's like, did I share with you that, you know, I was over here somewhere and I was sharing the gospel and, you know, and, and he was telling me about the whole thing. And then he told me something. And, and th this is to encourage you, church. He says, you know, Bishop, now it's fun 
It's fun to do. It's not a chore. It's not like hard. It's fun. I enjoy doing it. Why? Because he's made a commitment and said, God, I want to be with you, and I want to share you with everyone that I can. And so you know what? The first thing that happens to all of us, we get intimidated. We get nervous. You know, we go and we share. We might get rejected or whatever the case is. And then you know what? After, after, after we break through that a few times and we say, you know what? Rejection is going to happen. But I'm going to continue to share. Then you know what happens? All of a sudden, it becomes exciting, church. It becomes something that is now a journey that is fun with the Savior. I've said this before. We, we are the boring ones. God is not boring. We are the ones who are like, you know, we don't, we, we, we don't want to get in tune with God. Listen, I challenge you. Turn your TV off. Hello, somebody. Go out, make it a point. Say, you know what, God, this is your, I'm going to give this time to you, and I want you to lead me. Just go, go to a mall, hallelujah. Go someplace where there are people and say, Lord, lead me to as many folks as I can to just share the gospel. Just do it that way. Make it a point to do that. And you know what? As time progresses and God begins dealing with you, you know what will happen? It will become something that becomes a norm. Church, hear me. Everybody's different. Everybody's gifted differently, but you know, we serve the same God. We serve the same God, and each of us has access to the same power. We have access to the same promises. We have access to the same will of God. And when we connect with him, he's going to bring forth his will in people's lives. Amen? The bottom line is in the last thing that I will say as I'm closing. The question was, what are we seeking? What is it that we're seeking? When we get out there, church, and we become those light those vessels that are, that, that are light to this world, what begins to happen is God begins to communicate through us. When we look at these stories here, we look at Jesus as he was there, and the disciples brought, these, these first disciples brought people to them. When he communicates to Nathaniel, Nathaniel had a bad attitude, and you know what he said? He communicated to him in a way that made Nathaniel drop his mouth, and he was like, oh, my goodness, you are the son of God. You are the king. Because God knows how to do that. In church, he wants to do that through us. The question is, what are we seeking? Because the key to us being used is we have got to have intimate communion with him. Intimate relationship with him. The Holy Spirit came to do what? To teach us, to lead us, to empower us, to be the church that is going to shine brightly that is going to be the salt, that is going to bring change to lives. And God knows that this earth desperately needs a church that will rise up to the mandate to be everything that he's called them to be. And so it's up to us. The reason why we're here, and we're going to talk about this next week, the reason why we're here, church, is because of a sacrifice. And as a result of that sacrifice, we are to be living sacrifices. So the question is, are you being that living sacrifice? Are you living your life, not for you, but for him? It's a simple question, but I think it's pretty heavy, church. Are you really living your life for him? That's why we're here, to live our life for him, because we found him. He drew us, called us out of darkness, opened our ears so that we could hear him. And now we're here today because of what he did for us. And so we, we have a responsibility to embrace that sacrifice and become those living sacrifices. Everybody stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads.